As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Learn more about how you can get 25,000 points, a $250 value, when you open a Navy Federal More Rewards American Express card today. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, watching, and most importantly, subscribing. If you haven't already, make sure you're checking us out on YouTube because we're dropping new episodes there every single week or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We're there, too. We got to jump into a Patreon question, and this one is anonymous. I don't have a name, but Patreon question today is worst nicknames you gave your buddies growing up or maybe a worst nickname you got. Oh, Dookie Dookie Shank. Shank. What? Dookie Shank. Did you guys give this one, or are you guys yeah, no, receiving no, no. in? No, he. I, I, I wonder. Do you think? I wonder if he listens to our podcast. He's still alive. I hope. Jason. His name's Jason Gibbs. There's a Gibbs family we grew up with, and he was. Man, uh, I don't he, know if you should have said his name out. No, no, he, he needs to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we had another one. Spuge. Dookie yeah, Shank. Yeah, yeah this, one of our buddies Spuge. came up. Man, he wanted us to call it. He wanted us to call him. His name was Jason Gibbs. He wanted us to call it. Wanted us to call him JG Money. Was it Ryan? Was Must have been Oh man. Or was it Bodak? He's like, would you been, say Dookie Shank? It might have been, no, like, no, man, you're more like a Dookie Shank. <laughs> I don't Shank. even know where that came from, man. Even, whoever, the, dude, whoever dropped that moniker, it stuck like a sticky booger, man. Man. To, to this day, if I run into Dookie. him, I call him Shank. Still call him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another buddy of ours we grew up with tried to play football with, where we grew up, man, look, let me tell you something about these jokers, man. It was tough living. Awesome living. And he tried to play football with big boys. And every time they'd hit him, he'd puke. And they called, so his nickname was Spuge. And it's still to this day. I mean, they're like married and has a great job. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's Dookie Shank, Spuge. And um, were you guys ever on the receiving end of a bad nickname? My nickname in, at the end of my time in the teams was Big Bird. Yeah, because I'm big up top and I got little B legs. <laughs> nice. Really? So I had to go with Latrine and Buds because <laughs> it's Latrell. No, Vector. Well, that was that was the other one, <laughs> Vector Latrine. I, <laughs> I was Vector too. Yeah. So um, I actually put it on my helmet though. Like I, I put 
put that on my helmet and owned it. If you own it, it's a good. It's good. You know, it's it's cool shit. Yeah. I named. Uh, we had this uh, this new guy, and uh, I didn't know that he had Tourette's at the time. And I was sitting at the computer doing some stuff, and he was coming to introduce himself. And uh, he's all doing his twi- twitching around. So and which, everything. which version did he have? Right, just the twitch. Or the just twitch. twitch. Just, well, it was kind of. He didn't say like he wouldn't. He didn't like blurt out stuff. It was a twitch, and he had like kind of a. The tick, tick type deal. Uh, you, know, three, it's, it's you can hear him. You know where he's at all day long. Oh, you know? oh, he had that, that kind yeah, of shit. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So buddy, I asked yeah, him like, like, man, like what, what the hell? You got Tourette's or something? He's like, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh shit, I felt bad. You know, after that, so we, everybody calls him Twitch from this day. But he he owned it. So oh, yeah, that's actually a pretty cool nickname. Though, everything Twitch he's got on his yeah. uh, his helmet, all of his tools and stuff, all his all his nickname on it. <laughs> that's a badass nickname, actually. Well, yeah. Now my my wife says, we're, you know, I'm mean for calling that. I'm like, no, you don't no, no, it, man. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. It comes out of love. That's a good one. Well, thanks yeah. so much for asking that question. You got some answers you probably weren't expecting. Dude, we were talking about Gargamel. <laughs> we got one of our buddies looks just like Gargamel from the Smurfs. Really? Look just like him. Yeah. Gargamel. <laughs> really? And I don't think anybody had thought about the Smurfs for ever, and I dropped that little slam dunk. Yeah. So does everybody know how nicknames works? Did I say that right? Works. Nick, nick, nicknames works. work? I don't even sound? know. You're That's good. a weird is that, phrase. Is that proper? Yeah, Did I make a mistake in grammar? All right, I'll try to correct it. But the, 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 the worse your nickname is, the more solid of an operator you are. If you got some cool nickname... Damn, you, you don't want. Apparently, me. there was a pilot, a captain, that my our other pilot buddies told about his his call sign was shit biscuit. Oh man, Navy captain. Golly, hey, there's some good ones. <laughs> yeah, right. Those guys. I mean, they gotta love you a lot. If you get a nickname like that. Oh, what was it? Snake shit from from no. Vietnam. Oh, yeah. In yeah, Vietnam, yeah. he's like, why does they call you that? Because I fly lower than snake shit. I mean, that's a dude you want. Man. Some bad dudes. Right? Hey, you guys check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash teamneverquit. We've got exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content of the show. We've got some sweet merch. We've got an awesome challenge coin. You guys should definitely check that out. We've got a great guest in store today. David Eckerman is a Houston firefighter and owner of Lone Star Tactical Buildings. David has worked as a firefighter since he was 18, and three years ago started a company that builds training facilities for fire and police departments all over the United States. David, welcome to the show, man. Thank you all for having me. And a local boy. Makes it easy. Jerry, I'm right down the road. Yeah, we live next to each other, so this is going to be a good one. Did you grow, Were you born and raised in this area? So when I was... Uh... As a kid, my dad worked for Walmart, so we we kind of grew... We went oh, you lived in Arkansas then, huh? No, no, we oh, okay. went all around Texas. We went from... <laughs> I lived in Navasota, Hempstead. Where were you born? I was born in Brenham. Oh, that takes some time. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. My family is from here. And uh, but we moved around with, with this job, you know. So from. It's a great here. area. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we moved to Alice, Victoria. We spent a lot of time in Jacksonville in East Texas. I love there. The Bluebell dispensaries out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. bounced back amazingly. Independence, Texas has a, has a, a, a little shop there. You can pull in there, and they have that uh, summer sausage and mm-hmm. the cheese and that whole warehouse over on the side. Mm-hmm. Man, that whole area is good. I'm trying to think. Uh, Blend Juco. I mean, what, a lot of our buddies after we graduated high school. When did you graduate high school? I graduated in 2006 from Waller. Oh, from yeah, from Waller. Yeah. So I moved. I moved back. I moved back from. We moved from Jacksonville back home, um, and then. Uh, 
I guess I was in the seventh grade. Remember we moved we moved back and then I graduated from here. Oh right on. Yeah. Cause you've been at Firefighter since you're 18, yeah. So yeah, I graduated high school, uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. You know, I was going to school to be a pharmacist for some reason. I was just looking at money. You know, I didn't really, I really had. I played football and got hurt, so I thought I was going to go in college and play football. So you kind of your plans are kind of. You play high school ball. I don't yeah, know, I play uh, football, basketball. You know. Well, in Texas, you know, you start yeah, playing when you're. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. It is a thing. Okay, it is a thing. Especially, especially, especially in Waller. Outside, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially in Waller. This this part of Texas, the heartland. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a thing. But yeah, I uh, play sports. Uh, I went to Blinn for a semester. I remember calling my dad. Uh, I was like, "Man, this shit ain't for me, man. I don't, you know, I just can't." College wasn't for me. Not built for academia. No, well, I, I bet I am now. I bet I always wanted to go back, you know. But I was young. I had no, I, you know, no oh, clue what I, I wanted no, to do. Preach to the choir, everybody. And, yeah. Uh, but it's funny that my ever since I was a little kid, for some reason, my dad's always told me you should be a firefighter. You should be a fireman. You should do, you know. For, he's always for some reason. I was like, you know, I think I want to go to the fire academy. And he was in from there. You know, he's like, do whatever you want to do. I mean, I was. Is there a history of that in your in your family? No, I was the first one in my family to be a fireman. Um, now it seems like everybody is. My little brother, my brother-in-law. Look uh, what you did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, from, I guess from Blaine, I got in. I went to fire school in Teeks uh, in College Station, which mm. was pretty cool. I got lucky and got in because um, it used to be a big, a long waiting list to get to get in over there. And then uh, I remember I was still in the fire academy, and I, Houston was the only place I wanted to work. You know, I wanted to work for a big city. That actually got to do the job. You know, I actually got to fight fire. You, know, you got New York, Chicago, L.A., and Houston. Those are different kind of fighters. Oh, it's all different. That's the best because I go up to New York when we, when oh, they we fight go fire. There, we totally stay. I stay different. at the firehouses. That's oh, where yeah. I'd hide out there. Yeah. And and they, the stuff that they that we that y'all do down here is they say it's crazy. Oh yeah. And the stuff that they do up there, y'all like that's crazy. Right. Because it's just everything is you know upstairs. Upstairs, yeah. right? They, I mean, they pull. We have cross lays on our engines. They pull all their hose from the back. I mean, I'm talking, they got probably 1,000 feet of two and a half that they pull up these stairs, you know, and they do it and how they do it. You know, they got their tactics. But, um, but they say that, like, how we fight fire in Houston is, is crazy. Like, they always say we wear bunker pants on our heads, you know, because everybody else wears, a, like, a sock hood, you know, like kind of what NASCAR drivers wear. We have a guy, uh, he's a legend, uh, Clifford Reed. He uh, came up with the, with the Reed hood. And what it is, it's pretty much the bunker. It's a, he took an old welding hood to turn it into a firefighting hood that lets us go in deeper, like deeper into the fire without, you know, burning our ears off our heads, you know. It's uh, always a competition. Well, that's how you're supposed to fight fire. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Hit it from the, the fire, right? Right, you got to yeah, see the fire. But it lets you – I mean, you, if you can see some of the stuff that we go – I've been in the classes before and got into arguments with these guys, like, you know, is it a no-go or, you know, would you go into this, offensive versus defensive? And I'm, over, I'm always over here, well, if there's a little window to get in – Offensive, like you know, fully involved is fully involved. There's fire coming from every crack of crack of the building, but in, in my mindset, is like if I if there's a little hole to get in, we're gonna get going right there because there might be somebody right on the other side, and they could still be alive if they're laying on the floor. So how'd you get the fire bug? Because there's a difference. I mean, like <sighs> I didn't have it at all. I, I, you know, I don't care if you're a billionaire or the poorest dude around. Everyone likes to sit around a, a fire at the end of the day telling stories and whatnot. Mm -hmm. right? but when them things get out of control. Most everybody else, everything usually hauls ass the other way. Right. It's a thing y'all run that way into it. Yeah. Because people call us crazy, like, hey, man, when a fight breaks out and they start slinging that lead and all that crazy stuff, why do you guys run? I don't know. When yeah. I came to man, you. I don't know. Uh, 
When'd you get that? I had no idea I ever wanted to do it. I I went to te- I went to the fire academy. With the only interest it was is I know college ain't for me, and uh, I've, a couple of buddy of mine's their dads were firefighters and they're always happy. They're always home. And I was looking from that you know from a you know a livelihood you know in the future like you know standpoint. Uh, they look like they love their job, so I went and tried it out. And as soon as we started burning, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is for me here." You know the uh, y'all play sports. Mm. You know that Friday night feeling you hear the crowd and just that that feeling you get that adrenaline rush. Friday night lights, Texas thing too. Right. You know that adrenaline rush you <laughs> right, got. Right, yeah. You know, invincible. Didn't, but what's that's, going, yeah, that's that's I got that feeling, and that's what I was missing from from playing sports. You know, got that feeling back, and I was hooked. You know, so yeah, that's uh. I had no idea I wanted to do it, and it just, thankfully, it all, you know, it was supposed to happen, you know. I got lucky that way. So how'd you get into it? I mean, you just decided I was going to, would you go there? Just a, so I went you to. You said you got in quick. Well, one right, of our so, best friends took like three years. Yeah, we got all, most of our guys in our, I, the, we, a lot of I, I figured like my whole story is like meant to be, like it's crazy how everything worked out the way that it did. It was like to get into A&M's Fire Academy, there was like a five-year waiting list, and, uh, I uh, I applied for it, and they called me the next day, like, hey, we got one spot open. You know, can you start in two weeks? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I got lucky in that in that, that sense. And while I was still in the fire academy, I said that Houston was the only place I wanted to work. And I saw that they were they were opening up a fast-track class. So the fast-track class is the, the higher guys that are already certified. So I was at Teeks at A&M getting certified, um, but I wasn't certified yet. But I went ahead and took the test. I stood in the line and said I was certified and passed. Mm. And um, nice work. Crazy, cr- another crazy story. The day of my interview, like I graduated Teeks, everything was good. Made it through the process through with Houston. The day of my interview, when I was supposed to bring all my certifications in, the the uh, my certifications came in the mail that that day. <laughs> it's crazy how, how it happened. I was sitting, I was out there waiting. You know, like man, I hope then I'm just gonna be a liar. You know. <laughs> If uh, if they don't come in, but uh, but yeah, yeah, that's came a, in, that's got the good job. Stuff from above, right? Oh, right. I mean, I, like that's how you one, know you're following the right path. That's what I. From that point, I was like, I know I'm on the right path. Cause yeah. I mean, it's crazy, you know. Uh, to the day, and I went into Houston, got lost, cause you know I'm from out here. I thought 1916, 290 was was Houston, you know. It's a big, right? it's a big city. I remember huge. growing up too, man. We didn't go, we didn't venture down that far, and right. it's not even. Right now, now, now that I'm older, it's like. I know all the roads and everything. I know wow. backwards and forwards, but back then, man, I was, I was like the same way. Intimidating. I didn't know? even like driving. No, didn't even want to head down there. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get back. Yeah, I just always remember West. Either I'm end up in Katy or where I'm supposed to be. So, but yeah, joined. Uh, so went through that process. I think it was. I graduated uh, A and M in 2007, and I I moved right into Houston's Academy from back to back. So I got right from one to the other. So I was still in good shape, you know, which is another culture shock whenever I got into uh, – How old are you doing this? 18. Yeah. Right. I was uh, – I turned 19 that December when I was still in the Academy. But uh, coming from Teeks and then coming to Houston's Academy, first day you're there, they're like, forget every fucking thing you, you were ever taught before. We're going to do it. We're going to – this is how we do it, you know. I remember uh, the first, the first the, when the light bulb kicked on. I was like, "Yeah, we're really doing it how they want us to do it." Like when you're in the, when you're in the fire academy, they teach you to put your gear on. Uh, you know, your you put your mask on last. You know, you put your throw your throw your mask on, throw your hood over it, 
Well, in Houston with the reed hood, the first thing you put on is your mask and your reed hood. So you're doing it. You, you do everything ass backwards, you know. So I remember being all screwed up. You know, I was confident going in because I'm like, I've been doing this for, for months. Well, now we're doing everything backwards, you know. So relearning. How and to that's do what everything. we were taught. Yeah. The mask goes back on first so you can see what you're doing. Right. Underwater. When we were oh, underwater. underwater yeah. yeah, underwater, yeah. This is like getting, dra uh, getting dressed in the back of the, of the pumper or the, the truck, you know, going down the road. And that's what we do. We get in there and they drive around. They get some chauffeurs from around the, the, the academy that drove like, you know, drove like crazy. They have that sucker up on three wheels. We're in the back, you know, trying to get dressed, you know, training. It was it was a different academy versus how they how they normally did it. It was kind of like a pilot pilot deal with our class, which is pretty cool because we just learned our job. We didn't learn all that. Man, that was some of the best training we have. They would throw us up in the back of a deuce and a half, black it out, and then we would drive us. They would drive us down these dirt roads trying to do IVs. Yeah, yeah that's how we. That, when and I was then, in paramedic school, that's how we learned that, how to do yeah, IVs. And then, yeah, and up in the hill, and then trying to get dressed and all that because so, mm -hmm. if. If you can get dressed in that, then you can definitely get dressed well, that, going down there. Yeah. One of our instructors had us start on ourselves. That way, oh, yeah, same, you know, if we, same screw, thing. if we screw up, you Looks know like what a it feels bloodletting like. out yeah. of the back, right? I mean, track marks everywhere. Like, yeah. man, IV training was a that was it was cool now when you, yeah, yeah, especially when you go get blood and that nurse can't get right? it, right? I know, take it's the like, needle ah, from you. Keep going. She thinks you're a heroin <laughs> right? or something. Yeah. It's like, how do you know all this? It's like, lady, you can't even believe yeah, what they put us through for paramedic training. Yeah, yeah, the academy was uh. Pretty tough though. That was I was definitely the be, hardest. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, um, but we, like I said, it was a pilot program, so I saw how the other classes were being conducted, and ours was totally opposite. You know, our our officers, uh, Jerry Turner and Tim Dunn, they're still in. Uh, they uh, they brought in well-known officers from outside you know in the actual in the streets and they they came in and taught us taught us the way instead of trying to teach us the you know it's supposed to be like way. that if yeah. you soften up the training in the academy you'll, you'll produce soft operators yep and that's that's what's happening these days unfortunately you know because the streets don't get easy they don't get easy, soft man. they get hard yeah. every day they evolve yeah. the, if you back up what goes out there to take care of it then you just put them in harm's way oh yeah it, that's what you're right it seems like these days they're higher they're lowering the standards are they lowering the standards oh yeah why? Big, big time. They just can't. Well, with Houston, I mean, nobody wants to work there anymore. It's, it's a sad, sad deal because used to, if you made it to Houston, you were good. Like, a lot of guys started at smaller departments and they built up to get, you know, to the big city job. And uh, now we're losing them. I think we lost like 600 guys just this year. That's how you reverse it. Why? Just from the morale. Uh, a lot of it is uh, we haven't had pay raise and – Shit, I couldn't. I couldn't. That's why you make it hard. You right. make it really, really hard because they well, don't see, care about the pay. I never really gave a damn about. The that's, pay. that's what I'm talking about. And I'm, so I'm when you, firefighters when, do. Your, I had a discussion with officers because I teach officers. It's Sam. It's Sam, and they tell me that nobody comes to their um, departments or they won't come to their departments. Number one, standards. Number two, from they don't get paid enough. And then my question back to them is like. Who becomes a firefighter and a police officer for money? That's my exact thing, man. I just and you know I what the answer is the younger generation. Yes, I guess. I mean, I'm part of that younger generation, I guess. Well, that's that comes from the standards. So if you yeah. make it when you make it hard, they don't. We never cared about the pay. It was the respect you got from going through the hard stuff. Right. So I just want to be like matter. But yeah. when you lower that, when you lower the standards to anybody who can get into it, well, then you have to pay to compensate for the difference. Because that's what, that's be what that standards like. Well, why did he get a job? Because he works harder. I was like, well, that's not fair. Right. Well, then he'll get, we'll pay you more. And then, I mean, 
I'm the I'm, t- I'm that I'm that guy, man. I, people look at me like I'm crazy because I'm I'm the guy. I was like, all y'all guys bitching about a pay raise, and y'all can't even do your damn job. You know, y'all suck at your job. And you want a pay raise? I mean, but I don't really give a damn. What Maybe they say. that's why they don't get pay raises because they suck at their job. It's, it's not that, and I'm not saying that, that that they all suck at their job. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just that they're to me, if you're gonna be a fireman. The first thing they told us at Teeks, like whenever it was just an idea, I mean, you ain't, you're never going to be rich in this job, you know. Oh yeah, you don't you, do you, it for you the money. A, you a, yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll have a great life, you know. Live live between your means, and you know it, it'll be awesome. But you got those guys that want the bigger and better things, which I know we we need a raise. Obviously, cost of living is is one thing. We hadn't even got that gotten that, you know. I'm talking about the young the young ones coming in. But they shouldn't. I didn't even look. I didn't even know how much Houston paid whenever. And I, there's a lot of guys like that. A lot of the older the older guys have been in. They could probably say the same thing. I had no idea. Yeah. You know, I think when I my my first check was like 800 bucks for two weeks. And I was yeah, like, so what is, is awesome. that? It used to be you joined for the life. That's what it was for for me. Right. Because you know? in the seals, like you joined for the life. You're, you're gonna you're putting yourself in harm's way, and you're probably gonna get killed. Right. With a bunch, but have have a badass time doing it. Like training it's, hard, like doing all that crazy stuff. Yeah. That was a thing for us. That's what I tell guys, man. I've been there 14 years now. And then and, now you, they want to get paid to have to go do that when we wanted to go, go yeah. do it just to do it's it. Be, I mean, it's the – Is that the difference? I, I, be, yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, I've been there 14 years, and I've, I've had the worst day a fireman can ever have, and it's still the best job in the world. Like, I feel like I really haven't been working 14, 14 years. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that's, that fun? It's that's awesome, the way we man. Were I'm too. blessed, I was like, man. I, I, mean, I was working. I was like, man, every day was different. And like we literally got to go in, get paid, to work out, hang out, hang with that, your buddies, and go, he- and go help crazy people, shit, go help you know? people. Yeah, I it's, mean, there's a reward in that. Oh yeah, and that's itself. another thing too is that, that I see with like the attitudes of I hate to say younger guys because there's some really good good young guys, um, but there's a group that they get butt hurt when they're on the ambulance, or they get butt hurt and they get they get an attitude when they gotta go pick grandma up off the floor, three a.m. And that is what drives me up the wall. Like I whoop, like I would want to whoop their ass in the front yard after that because it's just that's what we're there for. Oh man! So where is that mentality driven home? That or my mentality where or that is that mentality? mentality not driven out? So is there a lack of delivering expectation in the academy, and there's been a loss of translation there, or because? My point, okay, so, my, my, my point is, if you if we have generations like this that are coming in, because I'm sure the older generation said that about us, right? Mm-hmm. Either way, at what point do we take ownership of the attitude and mentality of the younger generation underneath us instead of to complaining about it? So my, if you have cadets or rookie firefighters that are all they do is bitch and complain – is that the captain, the chief, lieutenant's fault to say, sit you down and say, hey, look, I hear you loud and clear, and if that is your problem, you need to get the fuck on. So you're right. My, what I was, how it's always been when I, when I came up, that mentality is we had leadership, man. We are lacking leadership from – and I'm not saying, like I said, we have some good guys, and I only hang around with those guys. So like, I, I know the good guys. But I also know the, the the bad leadership too. The the weak leaders produce leak weak followers. And um, for example, like when I was a rookie, man, we didn't give. I've, you know how many times I've I've heard we don't give a fuck what your opinion is. You know, you just be quiet, do your job, 
that's what it is. Like that bitch and complain. What are we bitching and complaining about? You know, like you can't. We had no room to talk. You know, because I mean, we just wanted to be here. We wanted to be like those. We wanted to be like those guys. And um, these days, I think it is like from the academy. It's it's a softer, kinder, gentler department, and it's it all starts with leadership. And uh, I think once you give that one little crack, that that little light that they can, you know, have a bad attitude. Well, number one, you shouldn't have a bad attitude from the get go because this is it isn't that type of job. Like you have to have the mentality of wanting to. Shouldn't have an attitude at all. Right. Like my, I always think it's not, and this isn't original. I was told treat everybody like it's your your mom or your dad or your your family member. Well, if that was my grandma on the on the floor, number one, like the, think about what she's thinking about. Like she has. I mean, she's helpless. Like, what, what else is she going to do? That's what we're here for, you know? You don't think she, she'll, she'll probably never forget the time somebody came. Right. Everyone remembers when someone helped them. Right. Just be good to people. Yeah. You know, that's all you got to do, you know? And that's what we're here. I mean, people call 911. They, they call the fire department to help to fix any situation. Sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, from... Uh, anything. Bro- anything. You can imagine. Broken <laughs> pipes to yeah, yeah. whatever. And fix it. Hell, but, sometimes just to have company. Like in, I've had in, a in lot the, of that. You know what I'm talking about? Like in the, cold, of... in the cold months, when I was yeah. when we were riding the wagon, man, it was uh, during our rotations. It was like, man, they just called because they're lonely. Right. We had we had, we had this this older lady. Her her uh, her husband passed away. I mean, and she was lonely. Yeah. And she would call us. Think about she that. She would complain about you know she would make it like a complaint, but I knew you know she that's just wanted she, that company. Yeah, that's the best part. You know what I mean? And She's I like, and yeah. I, I'd sit there for an hour and just, ever, just talk yeah, with yeah, her. You know. Help her whatever whatever we needed. You know that because that made her day, man. But you know, a lot of that too is I saw the older guys. I was fortunate, man. I've been fortunate to to work under some great great people, just great people and even better firemen. You know, and that's what they did. They just took care of. They were just good to people. You know, took care of them and they gave a shit. You know, one of my buddies, uh, Robert Beebe, who passed in the in the Southwest Inn Fire. We make that call, and if we couldn't fix the problem that day, he wouldn't tell nobody. But he would go back the next day. He'd go to the hardware store and fix whatever need needed to be fixed. You know, he was that type of dude. I mean, you can always split it. You can go in like, oh, I got to deal with this person's problem. Like, oh, I'm here to deal, help you deal with your problem. What else were we gonna do? Go sit on the couch and watch TV? Well, yeah, I mean, you can. Yeah. You, you choose that. Right. It's a it's a mindset. Mindset, yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
So my wife says it's a switch. Like when I when I when I go to work, it's a switch on. When I come back, you know, you, it's a different mindset of how you think about your day. You know, you don't you're not thinking Man, about that's yourself why we today. Step into that. Right. And, that, and the reason they have, we have teammates is to remind us of it because when it gets hard, you can't keep going into life is its own thing. Right. It keeps going whether you die or not. It's that's life true. is life. That's, that's why they call it. it that. So when you kind of jump in and out of it, man, that that's it's, it's like how you get get good at it or you don't. And then there's times when we need to when you just come in to literally, how do you want to go? You want to? I came here to help you and with yours your problem. Or like, oh man, I got to deal with your problem because that ought to be on the questionnaire. Like, are you going to help somebody and you're upset if you've got to deal with their problem? Or well, the thing you, is, is you raise your right hand and you say, I understand that. You know. But as they go through it, you know, what we read and what we see when we sign up for SEAL training, it was nothing like that. That's true. Yeah. So there's, there's got to be that switch when people are like, oh, now, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's the well, people well, who like the, the now harder I'm training. Now about it, like what Morgan said about the, the hard training. Yeah. I mean, besides being married, like my wedding day. Graduating the, the fire academy was the best feeling I've had because that shit was hard, man. Like Look, it, wasn't, right? it wasn't easy. What's up? So like I just wanted to, uh, you know, I've always I've always left that in my mind. Like what up? I, I mean, they beat the hell out of us to to get to get here, and I'm gonna. And there was a lot of people that wanted to be in my position. Sure. You know, I, I guess that's how you know. Like if you go through something, and when you get your trophy, your certificate, if it's just like, oh, cool. You didn't. That's not a thing. Well, a lot of it has to do with pride. Like, take well, pride that in hard work. That yeah. the pride's inside the body. Right. I mean, when, overt pride is one thing, but the, when the hardening of your body goes the same way when a graduate seal thing. When they like, hey, good job, you graduated. You you don't even know what to do. That's just the beginning, right? <laughs> right? You don't even know what to do. You can't even you can't even believe there's a middle gr ground between being happy and sad. Right. And um, I think taking that away from people. Well, we, when we're young and we're going through the cat, when you can take that, that's why you're young. Right. Youth is a tool. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like that. And everyone grows up in a different kind of household. Was it 53% or something like that? Maybe the number, he's the number guy, but uh, don't, Americans don't even leave their hometown. Really? Yeah, they just kind of grew up in one area. I think I heard that on somebody mentioned that the, the other day. So when, when, you, when, when you leave out of your home and then you go into, you volunteered to go into a house with different guys, mm -hmm. right? And not only that, you put your life on the line. And the training that you you want to make it as hard as the situation that they could possibly get in out there, right. and if you do that, then it builds a bond. It's like that's growing up in a hard household. The, the, those brothers, is. those sisters are tight. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's you know what I'm talking about. Like that's if, they, if you know who they are in school, right. high school and junior high, you know who the hard kids are, right? Because they grow up in some in some stuff. Mm -hmm. They get respect, right? Right. That's, and that's the guys, who, the, the 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 tough guys who actually help. The weaker, like protect the weak instead mm -hmm. of bullying them or, right. or taking from them. Man, that's that's how, that's respect like you right. can't imagine. The, the thing about the paychecks, man, being one of those respect that comes with it and where you go and people see you, especially in your own neighborhood. Right. I just like, you're right, man. I mean, like I said, I had no idea how much money I was going to make. I remember, I never forget this feeling. Uh, first time I made a fire, I'm coming, I'm driving home and I'm just, I'm on the beltway and I'm like, holy shit. I'm, this is what I do. Like, it was just this awesome, euphoric feeling of, like, nobody else does this, you know? We just did some badass shit, and I get to do this for the rest of my life if I want to. You and get know? paid for it. You get paid for it. And, I mean, it's... Uh, it's hard to say it's I, one of the coolest jobs because you're dealing with fire, but all my buddies that are firefighters, like, man, you guys got to... They love it. Yeah. They love it. That's just... It's almost... I mean, it's like a... I hate to say it's like a lifestyle, but it's a mentality of, like... Oh, both. It's a different way you live, like in how you think about things, you know. Sure. We have two homes. I mean, 
I have my house where my family is, and I have my second family that I spend more time with than my first family. You know? um, so speaking of the end fire, like that obviously was probably one of the hardest days of your life, but prior to that, you've had some other... Yeah, so um, I remember uh, there's a previous, you know, relationship, but I mean, my, uh, I guess you could call him my, my ex-father-in-law, uh, who was going through some hard times, and uh, I always respected the hell out of this guy, because... Uh, he was burned when he was young, and uh, but he always made it happen. I mean, he he'd be out there. You know, you've seen somebody with, that's burned. You know, their hands are drawn up or whatever. And to see a dude swing a, a framing hammer, it just you know, and he was successful at everything that he did. Always had a good attitude. Well, uh, he started drinking, and uh, things got real bad. I remember I was, I went to, um, I went to work. We're at a at a it's called like a post-mortem meeting uh, about a fire we made. And I got a call from Montgomery County and it was the paramedic on the ambulance. And he called me and told me what was was happening at my house. Uh, My father-in-law committed suicide at at my house. And uh, I mean, it's just, that was the beginning. I mean, that was, I remember going, I mean, I just couldn't. And my uh, fiance at the time was there. You know, she saw she saw it all. And I just I remember. He did it. He did it in front of her. He didn't do it in front of her. He he was sitting on the on the porch, and uh, she heard she heard the gunshot. I mean, she, and she looked over, and it was you know he was he was right there. Um, I remember she called me before she called nine one one. You know, and I uh, couldn't do nothing. You know, what what can you do? And uh, I remember my buddy took me home, and I'm, we're always used to like that the mentality that I was talking about. Whenever you, we always pull up, and people are looking for us to help help the situation. But whenever you're pulling up, and you're used to fixing the situation, there's nothing you can do. You just got chaos going on at your house, your home. That's whenever home became like home, you know, like. Uh, but that wasn't home anymore. You know, when you got all that shit going on there, I knew it would never be the same. Um, but we got through that, you know. Uh, I said, we weren't, we weren't together anymore. That I believe that uh, because of that and everything else that happened, you know, later, about nine months later, uh, I think we were putting on this planet for around that time to help us get through that, to, to move on, you know, for the rest of our lives. But uh, moving from that, um, about nine months later is whenever the, the fire happened. So we were, you know, I didn't have a house to go back to because I wasn't expecting her to go back there, you know, just to, just to remember, remember all, that all the time. So uh, we're just living in an apartment. I just felt like something was taken from me. You know, I had this, you know, I had this path of how my life was going to go. I bought that house when I was like 20 years old, you know, fixed it all up, so proud of it, and then boom, you know, that happened. Uh, so it kind of shook things up. And then... Uh, and I was there for her during during that time. You know, I wasn't really thinking about myself. I was, you know, making sure everybody else in the family, their family was was, was good, which is kind of a bad thing to do. Looking back, you got, you know, when you you focus on one thing, but you're not focusing on yourself. And all all what's going on is just building and building and building, and you know, for ex- an explosion that's going to happen later on, you know, in life. But like I said, after that, nine months later is when the Southwest Southwest End fire happened. Um, it was around. Uh, it's crazy how everything, when I talked about 
like when I joined the fire academy, I can kind of back up. It's kind of it's weird because it all kind of goes together, man. Like when I was in the academy, uh, the, the chiefs like you never talk to chiefs, and you know, you know, we had the whole you know the the rank structure or whatever. But I remember me and my buddy after 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 uh, Houston's academy one day, this this chief come up and talked to us, introduced himself, super nice guy, you know. You know, I'm, he said, I'm Curtis Siemens from, you know, I'm at District 68 on the A-Shift, you know. Good luck to you guys. Hope everything's good. No other chief would ever come up and talk to us like that, you know. I thought that was cool. I didn't know where District 68 was. I didn't know where any of this stuff was, you know. And this coincidence, my first day, I show up, he ends up being ends up being my chief, you know. Just it's crazy how that worked out. So after – whenever after that uh, suicide happened – I've always had, been a real faithful guy. You know, that was the first time in my life I questioned it. And that was the first time that I actually felt weight, like that weight of not having faith, you know, walking around. And uh, he got me back, got, got me back. You know, he, he, I didn't even say nothing to him. He, just, he could just see it. And we talked and talked, and I remember that weight lifting. And uh, he got me back on track, you know. And, and it's almost like he was preparing me for what was coming, you know. Obviously, we had no idea what was going to happen May 31st. But if I would have been in that same state I was with zero faith at all, and then that happened, man, who's to know what, what you know, how things would have turned out. But, uh, but yeah, he's a big part of my life, Chief Siemens. And um, he was a chief of that day whenever, whenever he was running that fire that day. And um, I remember it was just a normal day, man, you know, I think, I think the box dropped around noon, 12.05 or whatever. And uh, we're normal, it was a normal busy day. You know, we, we backed in the station, the box dropped. And um, the weird thing was, so the first day I've ever been late in my life. What does that mean, the box dropped? Uh, a box is a, a fire call. We call it a, a box alarm or whatever. Okay. First day I've ever been late in my whole career was that day. And... Uh, as a firefighter, you, there's only one place you want to ride, and that's first line. First line is the one who's on the nozzle. Like you get to, you're up front, you know, getting after it. Well, I was late, and Cabernet, you know, just messing with me. He put my buddy Joel, but we, he was riding plugs. He put him on first line and me on plugs. Hey man, wake up on wake up on time. You can you can be on the nozzle. You know that type of situation. It was funny how it's weird how that worked out. You know, first time I was ever late. I'm on plugs instead of first line. And uh, 12 or 5, the box drops. Right before the box dropped, BB, um, who drove our engine, was actually driving the ladder truck that day. Well, the ladder truck had to go down and get this, it's called this, some stupid award. It was like the busy, for the busiest station in the city, they give you an award every year. And uh, so BB asked Joel to switch with him. So Joel's a firefighter. BB normally drives the engine. He's driving a truck today because he was studying for the, the cabin's test. He wanted to switch with him. That's why. So they sw swapped. Joel jumped on the truck, and BB got on first line with the engine. As soon as the, the truck left, about 10 minutes later, the box dropped. And I think it came in like 12.05, and it was right behind our station, like walking distance. I think we got there in like 30 seconds. What was it? Uh, it, was a, it came in as a hotel on fire. You know, it was the Southwest End. We've been there a million times before, you know. It was a super low-budget, you know, normal Southwest Houston hotel. Um, Two-story, one-story, four-story. Well, it came in as a hotel. So the hotel is like, it was like a, a uh, I guess you would call it like a. Doors on the outside or in? 
it was like an old school like Ramada, like the courtyard style oh, hotel. Yeah, check, yeah. So uh, it was no interior hallways or anything like that. But when we got there, the hotel wasn't on fire. It was just the restaurant that was attached to the like to the office of the hotel. Weird thing was how things work out, man. The guy who was driving the engine that day was on debit day, and uh, if if BB would have been driving, we would have took a left out of the station, a quick right, we're there. Well, Joseph he he took a right out of the station. He knew where it was, but he didn't want to. You know, if he hit that feeder road and it's behind us, then we're screwed. We got to go all the way back around. So he went the long way around and got on and got on. Uh, went down Bel Air to the to the feeder road, and I remember sitting at the intersection. It's just a normal box, man. I mean, you don't really, you know, you, you, after you do it for a long time, those, like you're pumped up about it, but you're not, you don't have that, you know, uh, it wasn't like our, our first rodeo, pretty much. Until, I, I, I remember getting up to the intersection, I looked and uh, uh, Chief Siemens, District 68, was right at the intersection with us. And I looked right, and it was the most, the craziest, most uh, thick black smoke I've ever seen in my life. I'm talking... You couldn't see the freeway. Like it was that it was that bad all the way. I mean, you couldn't see cars were stopped on the freeway on 59 on the on the feeder road. This was coming out of a, a restaurant. Out of the restaurant, yeah. I mean, it was. I just to this day, I've never seen. I never seen smoke. What so, burns like that? Besides tires. I mean, so usually when you have a lot of pressurized uh, pressurized smoke like that, it's from a a super hot hot ass fire. Like so. Think about like whenever you're you have a diesel truck when you step on that gas, the harder you step yeah, yeah, on it, you, yeah. the more fuel, the more heat, the more black exhaust you're gonna come out of it. Kind of the same concept. Like high pressurized smoke is heat is heat driven, you know, smoke. The heat act, the heat kind of acts like a pump pushing it out. But uh, that was a weird thing about this one is like the smoke. Whenever we met, whenever we went inside, the smoke didn't really match what I was expecting. It's a you know it, it didn't look. I was expecting to be super hot, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't what it was. But I remember us pulling up and I'm like, oh shit, man, like this is, I'm looking, looking over at Robert, uh, at BB, and this dude's just a, he's a bad son of a bitch. I mean, he's, he's done it, he's just good at everything, you know. And he was, he looked at me, he's like, hey man, you ready to go? And I remember Cap Renaud turned around, so Renaud and BB were like best friends, like they were, Two peas in a pod. They they uh, went to school together. I mean, through the fire academy together. Been working at Fifty Ones their whole career. Just promoted up, you know. So they kind of knew what each other was was thinking. You know, that's how it always was. Uh, I remember uh, Cameron and I turned around. He was like, "Hey man, we got this shit. Y'all pull a two and a half. You know, meet me at the door." And I remember when we jumped off, people were still coming out of the restaurant. It was around lunchtime, so. I, I, it blew my mind. I'm like, damn, like how long has this thing been on fire for people to still be running? Like, Is it a big restaurant? No, it was probably, I think the front was maybe 30 foot wide, like 30 by. Like the size of what? IHOP. An, like, a, like an IHOP attached to another structure. Right. So it, was, it wasn't standalone. It was, it was attached. Uh, but I remember people running out of the, you know, kind of, I'm like, damn, we got to get in there because people still might be in there. I mean, it's lunchtime, people still running out. I remember we made entry. Uh, like I said, I was, I was expecting that, the way that smoke was looking, like looking, coming out, like just pushing. I was expecting to be hot as hell, like crawling on our bellies, you know, to try to find the fire. I mean, that's, the, that's normally what you do. 
it wasn't hot at all. First thing we did, like when we, we walked in, uh, Cabernet had me pull a poke a hole in the ceiling to make sure there was no fire over our heads. And I remember poking the hole, and it was a lathe and plaster ceiling. I, when I when I pulled the ceiling down, it all came down a big, you know, big old like three by five section or whatever. Couldn't see shit, but I just remember hearing the weight just boom. She rock just breaks up, you know. And uh, took a there was no fire overhead. You know, kept kept you said pushing. it wasn't hot in the building. I think but the smoke bellowing out of there remember, signif- right. suggested it was. Suggested it was right. Um, I have my theories. I'll, I'll get to them. You know, like the reason why everything looked the way it did. Um, so, I, like I said, the, the, there's even, we have a, a thermal imager. It's called a tick. We, get, we take a tick reading at the door, and uh, I think it was 180 degrees at the at the ceiling, which. That's the hottest point of the, you know, of, of any anything on fire, you know, heat rises. 180 degrees really ain't that really ain't shit, you know. Um, I was expecting, you know, feel feel the amp bites and my ears burning off my off my head with this one. So we kept pushing. We saw the orange glow. Matt saw it in his tick, and I'm 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 riding plugs. So BB's on the nozzle. I'm riding plugs, humping hose, pushing hose behind them. And I remember Matt had had his thermal up. And uh, I could see where the fire was. You know, I could see what he was seeing. And BB started hitting it, you know, w- knocked it out. And from when he started hitting the fire, um, everything got better as far like, visibility-wise. So with the two-and-a-half, like, with the inch three-quarter line is what we normally pull. You can flow water for maybe six or seven minutes, you know, flowing 200 GPMs, you know, out of the nozzle. So with the two-and-a-half, you, you can double that. So you, you run out of raw water really pretty quick. So we ran out of water. Uh, chauffeur said, hey, we got a quarter tank. So we backed out. And as uh, soon as we backed out, like I'm talking like we walked out, uh, it, probably 30 seconds at the most. And uh, Chief said, hey, man, y'all got a pos- we got a positive water supply to work with now uh, from, a, from a hydrant. We went back in. And uh, we're going in, going in, still still knocking fire down, still knocking fire down. And at this point, I could see Matt or Cabernet from me, from me to you. You know, it went from zero visibility, not being able to see nothing, to I could see, you know, face to face. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
we were make, trying to go around and make it into the kitchen, and uh, we were slipping around because you know the, you know how those kitchens are in restaurants they're all greasy and shit. So we're sliding around, and uh, Matt told me to go back to get some to, to hump some more hose to pull some more hose in the building, and uh, he told me to stay on a wall. He's like, hey, man, just make sure you stay on a wall. Got it, you know. So I'm coming out, staying on the wall, got falling the hose out, which I could see. And uh, I remember meeting Engine 82 coming in. If you ask any of my buddies that, that, that we work with, if, if there's a task to be done, I'm a delegating son of a gun. Like, hey, let's, let's get this thing. Y'all help me, because two and a half is a, a son of a bitch to, to pull, it's heavy, you know, try to, to, to pull around. I was like, hey man, uh, the captain said, hey, Chief told me to pull a backup line to come in to you know, assist with fire attack. I was like, man, we got that shit knocked out. Help me pull this hose. So uh, Engine, 80 crews, Engine 82's crew uh, backed out and uh, to help me pull the hose. You know, I was probably, I remember I, we turned around and uh, I remember Matt Cameronod yelling back. He's like, hey, man, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And I turned around and you know, kind of looked at him. Yeah, man, I'm good. I took another step and then boom, everything just fell down, you know. It just happened like that. What the ceiling collapsed? The ceiling collapsed. The whole the whole ceiling collapsed. And uh it, it was so close from crushing me that it, it flipped the, the brim of the back of my helmet up. Like it just, you know, hit the back of my at the back of my helmet where the where the where the ceiling came down. And I remember it, it, it just kind of catapulted us, me and Engine 82's crew out out the front, you know. And the weird thing was, because there was so much residual smoke, like I was talking about, um, you couldn't see the, the facade of the roof on the building anyway. So whatever, whoever's standing outside didn't really know what was going on until I, I had to go up to the chief and like, the fucking roof collapsed, you know, because he wasn't, he, he was busy doing other things. You uh, know? Collapsed on the inside, not the out? On the inside, right. Because uh, the, front, the front wall was still standing up. It just kind of, you know, fell oh, yeah, flat down. Him. So with the smoke and everything, they couldn't see anything. And um, so when it fell down, I remember getting up, and my first reaction was just like, fuck, man. Like, the shit that I heard, you know, it wasn't good, you know. Not from the radio, just from on the other side of that, of that wall. You know, I'm standing from here that a foot away, and I'm just, we're just clawing, trying to, trying to get back because, you know, the stuff that we're hearing, you know, the stuff that still haunts me in my dreams today, you know. Uh, so we heard, you know, what I obviously we just beating on it and it wasn't budging. We were taking chainsaws to it. The guys, I mean, later on they, they were taking saws to it, trying to get through it, and I knew it wasn't good from that from that point. Just from looking at the situation, I was like, holy shit! Like this is this is bad, you know. And at the time, I only thought it was engine fifty one that was inside. And uh, but what didn't make sense was those sounds I was hearing didn't make sense with where I knew my guys were at the time, you know. We were far further into the building and I'm hearing these like right at the door. Like I have, I hear something on the, on the right and I hear somebody screaming on the left, you know. Well this, unfortunately the right side stopped. And then with the left, whoever's on the left hand side uh, was just screaming bloody murder, you know. And I'm glad he, he did because that's what it was. Ended up being Captain Dowling. Um, he was right between the right between that wall and where the roof fell down, fell down on top of his legs. 
And I remember uh, all this, like it sounds like it, this happened like within 10 minutes, you know, but it was like 30 seconds, you know. But like it just happened so fast. You know, you, everything's just going on around you. And uh, I remember turning around, and that's whenever uh, the chief at the front, and I'll say his name because I respect the shit out of him, uh, Chief Burgess, uh, he activated the, uh, the RIT team. So the RIT team is is uh, the rapid intervention team is just for down to, to get down firefighters. And uh, the I say this because the, so the RIT team, at that time we worked with some good dudes in our area. Like dudes that you know, they got your back. You know, they're they're the guys you want to see if you're in, you know, if you're in a if you're in a jam. And uh we were Captain McAfee and his crew, TJ and TJ and I forget the other guy who was with them. These dudes are some working some bitches, man. They don't stop until the job is done. And he came up and I told him, I was like, hey, I don't know. Uh I heard something over here, but this one it's like I heard some stuff going on on the right side, but I, somebody screaming on the left. That's where they are, you know. And they went straight to it, man, and found, you know, they couldn't get to Captain Dowling at the time just because there was small, you know, obviously, obviously everything was fucking collapsed. But uh, but they handled it, and they were able to get Captain, uh, uh, Captain Dowling on to air. He never went out, with, you know, without air or whatever. But um, after that exchange, uh, me and another guy from uh, 82s, like I said, this happened in like 45 seconds, man. After that exchange, we grabbed the we grabbed the nozzle, and there was some fire burning. It was almost like the size of a campfire, you know, burning from where that noise. There was no other fire around, but it, it was burning from where that noise was coming from. And we uh, pulled out a. I remember there was a uh, a window unit in the wall. We knocked that window unit out, went to the window, went in there, started knocking that fire down, and the screaming stopped. You know, so obviously that was burning him. You know, that, that fire was right on top of his legs and that, that was what was, you know, causes, causes injuries, you know. Uh, but they were able to get him on air and uh, they, uh, matter of fact, it was the first time, I think since the whole writ, you know, in the fire service came, came to be writ, it was the first time that a successful writ operation was done to rescue a, a firefighter that, you know, and they survived, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, so after that, putting it out, I, I'd already ran out of air and I was just, I was pretty fucked up because I'm breathing all that smoke in or whatever. Uh, the problem was, is whenever we found out it was Captain Dowling, we didn't know engine 68 was inside. So when I went and told the chief, they're like, hey, they told me to come to, to, come to the command post because we had a, an accountability issue like we don't know who's who's where what's what you know and it really wasn't making sense because like i said earlier the stuff that i heard didn't didn't line up with what what, I, what was going on you know like what i heard didn't line up with i knew we were further in in, in the building we'll come to find out it was captain dowling and engine engine 68 and that's when my heart my heart sunk you know at the time whenever i said we heard that screaming i thought that was matt and then when we find out it was Captain Dowling, it was like, oh, shit. Like, this is bad. Like, I had no idea that they were inside. And um, they were able to get Captain Dowling out. And uh, after, after learning about that, and then, but we weren't, we weren't able to get to uh, – we also, we also got to uh, BB. Um, 
Captain Kevin Story, who's a bad son bitch. I mean, he's just salty as hell. One of those one of those firemen that you want to work for, you know. Uh, this fire was so big. He came from Eights. Eights is you know that big fire station that's downtown. They came from all the way from there, the southwest side, and they came and his crew was the one who found BB. The one thing that uh, kind of says a lot about BB is that when the roof fell down, it didn't it didn't crush him. You know, but the others, you know, they didn't have a chance. You know, but he crawled through that shit and got himself out of the building. And whenever they found him, they found him up on the upside of the of the roof that had collapsed on the outside. And there's there was witnesses that said that they saw a fireman crawling out. You know, having he had his glove over his mask, um, and he would crawl up and he would slide back down. He would crawl up, but he didn't he didn't quit until. His number was punched, man, and that's says a lot about him, you know. And the reason why, you know, I looked up to him so so much, but uh, yeah, the um, Engine Sixty Eight crew, uh, where they were able to get Captain Dowling out. So how many guys were in the house? Uh, at the time, there was uh, five, plus the captain. No, so there was how many on Sixty Eight? Four. I'm sorry, three on, on 68. Chauffeurs always stay outside. And the other one, and Cabin, yeah. right? And it was me, BB, and, and uh, Cabin Nod yeah. uh, on Engine 51. So you got, I mean, when that thing came down, it came down the breach. That's what blew you all the rest of y'all out of there. Yeah, it came down hard. I've never, I've never experienced yeah. anything like that, you know. It, I, it shook us hard. Like, yeah. I'm talking days the hell out of us. Yeah. Well, that's a similar situation with us. Everybody who knew who was on the mountain was on the bird. Right. Oh, and, and, and vice versa. So when when and that major chaos or something's going down, and this is the best part about our training and making it hard is when it really gets hard, you can get tunnel vision. You can focus just on one spot, and right. we, we tend to do that. I That's do why that. the senior operators are better, right? You know, because they 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 back it up, right? We talk about it when we jump out of an airplane. When the first time you jump out of there, you're just going to see this, right? But mm-hmm. as you go, it's going to open up, and you kind of see more things. That's one and, thing that uh, from that situation that the big seeing the big picture like you could look at it as a as a as a curse but more as my career you know moved forward it was a blessing mm, i see the i see yeah, the no big, curse i we still get about a week yeah man you, you don't know, get about a week and you get battle hardened that's it but i had no idea about any of that any of that mindset or i didn't you know i didn't know the, the process you know sure and that's the best part if you did know would you do it Probably but you know not. that that feeling of uh i thought about that too I, there was i had the, i would get this feeling of um like, I didn't know what that was, you know. Everything was slowing down. I could tell you what was going to happen. Like, I know what we needed to do. I knew how the fire was going to – because after that, after that day, I just dove into – I want to know even more than what I did before. I just dove into to my job. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to know everything. You sure. Know? You know, the science behind everything. But uh, well, we train for those fights, and then we get into them, and then the harder you train, the harder the fight actually molds that training down. It's right. like tempering steel. Right. So we train, 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 and then when you go out there and you get into your fighting it, if it beats you hard enough right. to where it kills everything around you, then and the, you, you know, don't think that you come out of your perspective is completely different. Yep. You see things that no one else will because the only way you can see those is if you've been tested that hard. Right. And that's one thing with us is like looking back, it's like we never really trained a lot. We trained – but we'd we'd make three fires in a day, you know. We got a lot of on on the, on the job training. So obviously, we we did some training, but 
the reason I like I love working there is because we always were fighting fire. There was always something to do. And the reason why I liked working in that area is because, you know, some neighborhoods, some some houses, they just have certain type of construction. They have a bunch of shotgun shacks or they have a bunch of whatever. We have everything. Houses, apartments, high rise. You know, that's why I, I wanted to work there. You know, that's why I still work there. Yeah, most people think they call you a fireman just because you deal with like a real fire. Right. It's actually be a fire in the house someone's yeah. uh, no like i'm talking about couples upset oh, the yeah. fire between the relationship like they mm-hmm. call y'all in for multiple types oh, of fires yeah. do everything man <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? everything yeah people fired up Psych somewhere fire, yeah medical sure, psych- sure. psychologists whatever yeah. you know I, I, right seriously i, I mean, mean like the we were talking about the police the firefighters this day and age man you, you got to know religion you got to know freaking Especially the rule. Word, yeah man. everything languages multiple stuff how did the uh how did the roof fall in if you guys only been on scene for five so, minutes and there weren't any? You said there was no fire up top. So uh, in the report, and that's an, that's one thing I, I'm going to speak freely here, of like because I, you know, after that we just had interview after interview after interview after interview, and I was kind of the only one that was there that was still, you know, the other first in companies. They usually take they want to ask what happened from the first in companies. Well, I was the only one that was alive from the first in companies, you know. Uh, so I told them, I told them everything, you know, that what I what I what I saw, what I what I felt, what I smelt, you know, everything, you know. They kind of took they kind of took what what they wanted to hear and kind of put it into a report, you know. So the reason why that smoke looked like it did, where the fire was in the building. Uh, it was in an electrical closet, and there was air. the The big commercial return unit for the uh, for the AC was right there. So and they had these commercial vents going across the front because you know when you when you you're building something, you want those vents pointed towards the windows or exits or whatever just to keep the building co- cool. Well, in, what ended up happening, fire or there was a fire, and then it, that smoke filled up that space. And it got into that AC return in those big, you know, those big squirrel cages. Mm. It was just pushing that shit out, you know, like yeah, crazy. Back in. So where the so where the fire was, it was a it was a. Um, uh, it had uh, the building was, um, you know, uh, trust construction. Mm-hmm. So in anything building construction, if one trust fails, they all fail. They they all have to work in one. They're they're great for using for anything else but when, in, when shit's on fire. If one of them falls, the whole building will fall. Well, there's a truss right above the electrical closet that fell, that, that you know, burned through, and the whole building fell from there. But um, as, soon as, the, as soon as they cut the electricity off of the building, like whenever they, you know, they cut the power, the smoke went from blowing across 59 to vertical, you know. So that was, and... Uh, there was reports that the fire that had been burning for about three hours before, before we were called. How's that possible? How's that possible? The place uh, right behind the firehouse. Right. So they, they they there was reports of like either patrons or uh, employees, which there were you know illegal Im- immigrants. They don't they don't ever want to. Said three hours, and you said when y'all pulled up, there's still people running out of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense, you know. But uh, they said they they, they, they not, man, it's not thin. <laughs> that smell of smoke. They said they, thin, they, they were smelling smoke for you know for like up to three hours. Usually, if you're in a business and you you have people coming into your restaurant, you smell smoke. It ain't 
there's a big difference from food smoke to actual yeah, but it wasn't structure. that big. That's my point. I was like bellowing like that, and then three hours later, you got dudes rolling out of there. And that's what I've, it's hard for me to wrap my head around because when the box dropped, usually you see that whenever like your second, third, fourth end to a, to a fire where it takes a little while to get there. So the you know fire doubles in every 30 seconds. Well, shit, we were there in 30 seconds. So what the hell? Was, that's my point. You right, said the thing that, was burning for three hours. That, that's what. Why was there somebody still in there after three hours? So like what happened? Like it's just like just, it must finally, be some good food. Right. I ain't leaving. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't even It's make... wild, man. I know. That's that's one of the things that's hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, what the hell, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the one thing I took from that pride that I talked about earlier is uh, so because of that accountability issue on that day, uh, Chief had me go, like, sit by the engine. Like, I know where you are, you know? Well, because I was sitting back there, I wanted to, I wanted to help, man. But I, I mean, I knew number one, as Chief seen as he told me to do something, there's a reason for it. I didn't question nothing. But it's it's crazy that I was put, like I, I was put where I I was back away from the situation, right? And I could see everything that was going on in front of me. And uh, I never the how hard them guys worked to get our guys out that day. I mean. You can't put it to words. I mean, I'm honored. And I, my pride that I have today stems from that, seeing them guys give everything, you know. And a lot, I mean, a lot of people don't have that perspective. But I got to sit back and I, I watched it all. I mean, we had a secondary collapse. We had guys that almost died from, from that, you know, that were forced into early retirement. I remember one, there was a guy, um, damn it, I forget his his damn name, but he was a pipeman on the rescue rescue truck, and uh, I remember we'd make calls with him, and he'd always like after an extrication of a vehicle on the freeway or whatever, he'd show us different techniques, you know, just try to make us better. I remember this wall fell on his legs, and uh, he told him paramedics, he's like, uh, "If you put me on this fucking stretcher, you're gonna end up on the, you're gonna be end up right uh, in the hospital with me," you know. But he didn't. He kept going. He didn't stop. You know. I think he, he. Both of his legs were just crushed, and he was just still digging, still digging. You know. That's what I got to. That's what I got to see. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
man, those scenarios, there's, there's, there's times when they, they happen. Yeah. Throughout time, like when you get into something, there's stuff you can't explain. Right. Like, how did this happen? I don't even know, man. It's so crazy. You, you know what I'm talking about? So you don't, can't don't, drive yourself crazy trying be, to. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, man. You can't beat yourself up thinking about how that happened because, yeah. man, yeah. you'll never, I mean, no one will ever know. Right. I think the aftermath was of all that was that we talked about leadership earlier. Things could have gone, gone a lot better if we would have had that, you know, that leadership. Uh, obviously, it was a, the biggest in line of duty death of HFD history, you know, so I mean, I can't, I don't want to armchair quarterback how they went about everything, but uh, one thing that still to this day eats me alive. So they lied to us and said that that Cabernod, that BB had been taken out and Cabernod had been, you know, taken to the hospital. They wanted to get us away from the scene. They lied to us and said Cabernod was still in there. Obviously, this is a recovery point. It's been an, over an hour. And uh, so we, we listen to our leadership, you know. Chief tells you to, not Chief Siemens, but the fucking fire chief at the time. Uh, hey, y'all need, need to get back to, the get back to 51s and just stand by for orders from there. And everybody shook up, you know. So we're just kind of like ducks in a row, you know. So what did you guys do after all that went back down? I mean, just... Were you, were you offline for a while, or did you go back into the shop? Oh, no, we were we – were, uh, I think we were off for like two weeks and back back on it. Back on, right. Yeah, what I was getting at is that what still, what still haunts me today is that they fucking lied to us. If if your captain dies in line of duty, you're carrying him out. And they, they took that away from us, you know, because they, they lied, you know. I know that affects a lot of us, you know, still to this day, you know. But uh, moving forward, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're off like we had all you know all the funerals and all that. Man, that was that was crazy. And uh, I think we we're back on it two weeks later. You know, and I remember coming back and I was shaking like a leaf. You know, not knowing what to expect. Confidence thing, right? Well, yeah, because our two our two leaders. were gone. That's what know? it was for me too. It was back. it was one hundred percent confidence. Stuff, yeah. I'm glad you said that. That's what it was. That's right. So yeah, I couldn't figure out what it was, man. But you go back in, and it's it's just like when we grew up around here getting in fights. You know, people ask like, "Why do you always go back?" I'm like, "Man, we were raised that way." Yeah. And when you go back in, you just it's kind of an intent. It's a confidence thing. It's like you got to build. It's it's also the fight. Right. Like, man, you get your ass in a, in a good yeah. one. <laughs> you know, well, you always want to come back. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. Right. Right. But if it's. Um, it's it's funny. I remember that. It took me a while. I had to go back to, to, and get into another one before it. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. That was the thing. It was the confidence. Yeah. I lost all my confidence. Yeah. And um, being where we work, it's kind of crazy that we're talking now. But uh, our captain um, before Cameronod came was uh, Don Stamps, and uh, so he came back and he was he came back and was our officer to try to just get us right back on the horse, you know, because he knew all of us, you know. And uh, I remember th that first day back, man, the booper went off and the, the shaky feeling that I had, it went away, you know, just like that. Yeah, because you remember what you are. Yeah, it just you just go back into that mode. I guess you if know? you get your ass whipped so bad that you forget what you're capable of. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's kind of what yeah. it was for me too, man. I was like, man, I don't even know if I had the call to be in there. 
And then when the next one hits, you go, you, you, and no matter how far you went through it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's how it's one of them good fights. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that, uh, I guess, I guess you would call it that, that con knowing that I had, that, that I still got it, you know, whatever happened that day, that was one of the things that I'd like to talk, like I wanted to tell everybody, like, I mean, firemen die, man. I mean, I hate saying that, and I, I hope it never happens again. Why would you hate saying it? It's like a, that's everyone knows that when they sign up for it, right? But it's gonna happen again. It's gonna happen again. And these guys went out like some fucking heroes, man. I mean, if I ever go out, that's how I want to do it, you know. And um, it's just uh, a lot of things that I saw, like there were, and I understand it. Um, but one thing that I never had was like people talk about like survivor's guilt or whatever. It was a weird thing, man, because I I didn't have survivor's guilt, but I felt guilty for not feeling yeah, guilty. Yeah. You, know what, you know what I'm saying? That's, I mean, that, I think that's the definition of survivor's guilt. Is it? Okay. I don't know. I had the same thing. Like, man, I don't feel bad about I didn't. It, it was, what everyone told me, I just felt different. I was like, man, you know, you kind of get bummed out. It, it, in, the, in the warrior sense of it, you're like, them dudes put out so hard, they got to go back. Right. My ass still down here. Mm -hmm. that's, that, <laughs> you see, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, because like of that faith that right? I talked yeah, about earlier, right? that's yeah. the reason why. Yeah, like, man, when, when you talk about losing your faith, it's like you should. You should like, this isn't it. where we want to be. I mean, I want to, you know, of course, in game. That's the whole point. I, that, I mean, so down here. So they, you, they, that, that's just how I've always thought about it, man. Like they, they went out doing what they love to do. And now. How awesome is that? They made no one it. ever gets to go like they that. They made it. You know? No one ever gets to go like that. No. And I that's never, how you know you're putting out in the right, right way. And I never second guessed anything. I mean, I never, I mean, if you ask me now, like that same building was, I wouldn't change anything we did. It sure. happens. Anybody man. who second you know? guesses the whole thing, they shouldn't have been in it. That, that's how you can tell, like, the trend, like, then they shouldn't have been in there in the first place. Right. Because the other guys would be like, I did exactly what I was trained to do. We all know that that, that shifts in every situation. I mean, you could, you could play the same scenario 50 times, you're going to have right. 50 different results. Right. With us, because we're going to get something you can't even compete against. Well, the thing about it is, like, we run into burning buildings, man. Who's right. It, My point with that. Whenever exactly. he fucking, whenever it's your time, it's your time, man. Yeah. I mean, I. There's no other way to go about it. Man, the enemy y'all fight, man, that don't you can't talk to it's it. It's mother nature, man. And it eats and, and breathes and feeds and it tears, it consumes everything around it. You right. can't have a conversation when you gotta hit it with water, right? Yeah. That's the only thing we can do, you know. If you I just feel as long as you do everything you're supposed to do, and that's from from the beginning. You know, guys have issues like, you know, with calls or whatever else. I've always told our younger guys, I'm like, if you do everything you were supposed to do, and then some, you can come out after every call, you can come back and you can go, you go straight to sleep. You'll, it'll never haunt you. I, it's funny when the comparison, when people get lose track of that, I'm like, man, what, you know, we go each day is each day, right? You're looking for that one that you think that's man, you just, if you make it back at the end of the day, right. especially with a, with our firefighters, man, that's a, a different story altogether. Cause everybody's always running the opposite direction. You guys are right. I hate the, what if, you know, what if I would have done this? My mother would I'm always say, that? if my aunt had ball, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> I'm like, man, you can what if everything to death, man. That's right. not how we play it. Right. It's like, we just go. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, yeah. Man, we just go. Because if you don't, if you pussyfoot around it, it's just going to get worse. This 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like as far as like whatever whatever's in front of you. You know That's usually the people that come at you like that because they haven't been in it. Right. Like, well, what if we I'm like okay, no disrespect, but have you ever had to go through something like that? Because there's some of those questions people ask when when you've gone through it, you're like, I hadn't even thought about that right. because it, it, it wasn't even an option in there. Right. And it, and I we talked about earlier, like the the whole uh culture of the fire service is changing and like training is a big thing, right? And I, I don't, this is the first time I've ever talked about this publicly, you know, too. So not a lot of people know that I've had this experience. And, uh, but I hear guys talking, like, for instance, like, they're having a leadership, uh, leadership class, right? You got to pay $100 to go to this class, and this guy's going to teach you about leadership. Okay, well, I'm that guy. It's like, well, why are you teaching leadership? Like, what makes you that guy? You know, what, what, have, what have you done, you know? But the, usually those type of dudes are the ones that are sitting back there armchair quarterbacking, but they ain't ever done shit in their, in their, in their career, you know. And that's not be, me being negative. I'm just, that's just how it's kind of – the culture is kind of going to. And that's not everybody. Like, there's some great dudes out well, there. Well, there's a difference between learning to be a leader and then having to have applied it and becoming a leader. And that's the same way we go to school. Everyone reads the same thing in the book, and then you go out and you, everyone applies it differently. If you don't ever apply it, then you don't have any idea what it means. Right. Because we interpret things differently. Until you get out there and there's those stages. That's why age is rank. And that's why I have rank. Right. Do you think ever, anybody can be a leader? No. No. I don't either. That's why. I, no. It's just something that's Well, it depends on what now. I think depends possibly on how everyone down. can have look, even has in the, the poorest, capability to possibly become a leader, whether or not they exercise that or a good ability. Leader. I guess you should always be a and leader. And a leader in what? Leader. Because even in the poorest neighborhoods, there's a there's a really rich person who lives like king. I mean, we kind of right. – we, we, put those standards on ourselves mm -hmm. so i mean uh, yes everyone can become a leader and, and grow from that whether you're not you do it and what levels you do it at are completely up to you right we all come in just a blobber and block a nothing mess and life is the millstone that we go through to sharpen us mm -hmm. however long you want to stay on that millstone's up to you because even when the blade's on there and there's sparks flying from it and it's sharp it's screaming i mean we don't even pay attention to that right probably like man what are you doing to me i'm sharpening you right And you can't appreciate it till you come off of it how sharp you are. Right. Most people want them to stay on the mill that long. They do everything they can to avoid it. That's why people like you have to exist, so they can call somebody. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made it. Right. They, they wouldn't have made it. That, th there are differences down here. Right. David, there's one crazy thing in the fire service that people don't know, which is 
firefighter suicides are a higher rate of cause of death for you guys than than a line of duty deaths. And I know that when we talked together, you know, a few weeks back about you being on the show, we talked about how important that was to you. Yeah. What what kind of encouragement do you have and advice for these firefighters? It's pretty sad, man, that I can count on two hands of how many people I know that I've worked with that have committed suicide, you know. Um, A lot of it has to do with, you know, line of duty death. A lot of it has to do with trouble at home, you know, stuff like that. Um, But I wanted to get to from from the story and the transition from like how it affected my life negatively, man. Like I'm talking, became a recluse. Like I didn't want to be around nobody, you know. And that's what I, that's the reason why I wanted to tell the tell these guys. Like I learned what perspective was, and uh, you can think about what, the same thing from all different angles, you know. And I think that if you stay in that negative. And you have people around you that are nothing but fucking negative. You, nothing gets better, you know. And it took me a long time, and I didn't have those people, those negative people around me. But that's where I was. That's where I was standing at, you know, because you know this happened before, and now now, now this happened, and now this happened is like feeling fucking sorry for myself, you know. And I was, uh, I don't know what it was, man. It's just one day. You know, that mixed with not being able to sleep. I mean, that was a huge thing. Like, just you're walking around like a crazy person because you're like, you want to go to sleep, but you're so, just so freaking like strung out because every time you go to sleep, this goes, this replays again and you can't really sleep through it, you know? And uh, I didn't know that I had post traumatic stress disorder. I didn't know I could, could get that, you know? So I went a long time without, before I got, got help, you know? And I remember the, the day that I went to Dr. Buser, who's our department psych, um, psych doc, who was awesome, man. He saved my life. Um, and he told me, he's like, hey, man, like, you know, you do all these tests. He's like, man, you have some, some severe PTSD. I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't think firemen could have that, you know. You know, it's because we, we, we hold guys like you up, up here. We don't know, like, we know you all have gone through some crazy shit, you know, uh, veterans, you know. But... Like I just had this one thing, you know. That's I didn't think that I, I, like it was possible for me to have that. But whenever he, t- he told me that, I felt that a weight lifted of like, okay, I'm not crazy, you know. I have this problem, so how do we get better from here, you know? And that's what I did. I think the issue with in the fire department is these guys are just lost, and there's nobody's there to, to number one see what the issue is. And see that they're going down this road before it gets too late, and um, I think that is the issue. It's just that that the whole post-traumatic stress disorder, and I even I, to this day, I, I just—it's not that I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm not the—I'm not the guy, I'm not the spokesperson for that, you know. Uh, but I know that I have it, you know, after learning about it. And I think if other guys would actually learn about it, they would—they would see, hey man, there's ways to to fix this. You know, like, cause I, I, I remember just, I'd be driving down the road and just get raging ass mad for no reason. And I would get, then I get mad at myself for like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like, why are you feeling this way? And, uh, 
it's just all those different emotions. You just, you, you don't understand it, you know. But after learning about it, um, okay, I got this problem. If you don't know you have a problem, you can't fix the problem. You know, that's with anything. You know, if you don't if you don't know that there's an there's an there's an issue, then what needs what needs to be fixed. And whenever I found that out, you know, is whenever things started getting way better. You know, uh, but I mean, I had to do it on my own. You know. And it wasn't overnight, and I still have problems. You know, I still have those. You know, still have those bad dreams now, and everything else is mainly what I want to talk. What I want these guys to just talk, man. Like, don't keep that shit inside. And what I did for up to a year after the fire, we're at the firehouse. Nobody talked about it, you know. But that was that was the place we went. That was normal. That was that normal. You know, that was at home. That I couldn't sleep anywhere else but the firehouse. I could sleep like a baby there. But at home, couldn't. And um, but I think I really think it would it would make a huge impact if we would just talk. Like firemen sit around the table just like this all day long. We shoot the shit, talk about everything, but we don't talk about that. Like, what do you feel? How are you? How are you feeling today, man? Like, you know, you can tell your brother. There's something up with you, man. You got to ask them. Like, and I think a lot of the problem is that people don't don't ask. Well, they know that something's going on at home or whatever else. Like, you have to put yourself. Like, you have to intervene. Like, I know you don't. Like, a lot of people don't want to, you know, to 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 you know to barge in on somebody else's relationship or whatever situation it is. But you have to. I really, because we do it to each other all the time before something like that happens. Right. You ever notice that? I'm talking We're about just in general in too. Like, We're just, always in our business. Right. Always. Always, except for that one time. And then you get to the point to where you, when you get into a bad situation, they send you into a doc who hasn't been through any of the, tra- he's been through training, but not what you've been through to understand the fact like, well, I, I didn't really have a problem with what I went through. And then when he's diagnosed, you can't understand that because he would have had a problem going through it. So then they put it into your head that you're supposed to have one. And those voices going back and forth are you yelling at yourself. You ain't supposed to have a problem with this. But then if you're leader, leadership and those people do tell you, and then they string you out on them drugs, oh, yeah, that's one you thing don't know I which, one, do, which way's up. Yeah. So one thing. in reality, some of us are trained to go in that. Before you came in, if you got in a firefight and you thought about a fire just like that, would you want to go into it? Oh, shit, yeah. Like younger kids looking at you. And yeah. they hear your story. I mean, like, that dude's the only one made it out of that fire. And, like, all those young cadets running around, and he's, they see you. They're like, that's the one dude who made it out. And then re- when that actually – think about that. Like, you've been through a gauntlet. No one else got the, made it through. Mm-hmm. So when you teach that down, it's like, this is what you're capable of, not what you're not capable of. I get what of. you're saying. Yeah, for sure, yeah. It's just two ways of looking at it. Oh, yeah. Someone can always tell you, like, oh, hey, going through something like that, I don't know. But look what everyone uh, – Oh, we, no. But that, that question that I had only lasted for two weeks, and then – as soon as we came back to work, boom, back on the horse again, you know. And that, that's just how. It's tough, you know, especially if you get your body whipped, your mind. Those two things work. They got to catch up with each other. So if you get beat down real hard, yeah, we're going to take that hit. That's what that is. Right. It's that post-trauma, man. It's kind of like. And I, I had no I had no idea about PTSD or whatever that was. I mean, I've heard it, you know, from soldiers and stuff. and Because, like, I would have – there's a very dramatic difference in a lot of sky between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder. And you need to know that. Because right. if they told you you have post-traumatic stress disorder, you would not be sitting here in front of us right now in this right. room. Right. You most certainly have post-traumatic stress where you're reliving the event over and over again. The fact that you're having nightmares is a good thing. Oh, yeah. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't be sleeping. 
Sleeping means having nightmares means you're sleeping. You're down in, was it three, and and dreaming. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're resting. Okay, the daydreams and the memories. That's is there like a is there a transition? Like well, can you go transition more you think about it during the day and play it out in your head. Like any All scenario, if you get in an argument, like when 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 somebody pisses you off, and you kind of go over it and you play it out and you play it out. So if you run into it again, you're ready for it. If you don't do that, if you ignore it, if you cover it with drugs or something like that, when you go to bed, they'll show up. Right. Because it went from not sleeping, like feeling cr- like crazy, to being able to sleep and then have the you know have the dreams or whatever. But it would still go you know in my head. All I'm day saying, long. I mean, that's what always, always will. Freaking just chat. It, it, it'll never go away. Oh yeah, I just but know there how has to, to come a to... point in time where you have to make the, the conscious decision and the subconscious decision and say, look, you know what? I did everything I could. They oh, did yeah. everything they could, and I have to put this to bed. Mm-hmm. Because if you continue to pull that thread, you're going to unwind. Right. It where we are right now with how the science works and the the modalities in place to address post traumatic stress. There's no fix. This is an emotional and cognitive instability that lives and breathes only in you, your specific issue. And in research, we speak in generalities. Okay, you may be very different than every single person that was on that fire. Okay, the ones that survived. Okay, their issues could be similar. They could be parallel with yours, or they could be 180 out. Some of them may not even have a problem whatsoever mm-hmm. because they didn't know the individuals that died like you did. The list goes on and on. Age, environment, where you mm-hmm. came up, huh? The what we know now is that you will have to make a conscious effort. You know, whether, however that is, it's you have, who knows that I'm at peace with this now, and then it, it it'll inevitably have to turn into a remembrance of when you talk about what happens, it makes you happy. Right. That's why you tell it it like that to motivate. And that's what, uh, that's what, that's kind of weird how that, that's how that transition happened for me. This isn't what I took. This is what you can take. When you start telling these younger firefighters, like when Marcus talks about the lives of Danny and Murph and Axe and Mm -hmm. everybody on the mountain, there's a smile on his face. Yeah. I'm like, this is what you can and take. Kind of like all you want to talk about. <laughs> like, you know, can you imagine what we've been through, man? It turns you can a negative this. into a positive. That way, when friends. you yeah. talk about it and your colleagues that passing the fire, they remember how amazing they were. Not the right. tragedy itself and how horrible it was, but how amazing that event was. Right. And then it makes it better for yeah. you, makes it for everybody around you. And then, again, it's like... And that's what that transition did for me, like over time, you know. The best thing you can do is tell people you don't, I don't have post-traumatic stress. Right. Quit telling people you have it. Well, Quit I don't. telling yourself you have it. I don't. I'm just talking about the the whole. That's one thing you ask my wife is like I don't like like don't tell them shit. Don't say nothing like that. You know because I just I don't want to use that. I I think a lot of I've heard a lot of people um, use that, and I, it's totally wrong of me. You know, when you try to compare other people's situations, which is wrong, you know? Yeah, I don't ever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but that's whenever I was going through it, I would try. I mean, obviously, I wasn't in my sure. right mind, you know? And, um, well, that's the relations. You got to, right. that's how we cope. Trying to relate yeah, their man. problem to mine. And whenever that light bulb kicked on, and that perspective actually having perspective at all, you know, because I had, you know, looking from it from a glass half empty or glass half full type. Type mentality is what I had to kind of go to. Yeah, you know? bro. When you get your, man, there's that is there's a stress. Like my leg hurt, man. I got a child. People died, man. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, because you're dealing with all those emotions at once. 
Truthfully. And so as you're going through it, when your body's healing and when you start talking about it, first, when your body's healing, you don't talk about it. That's why the dreams come in, because it reminds you what happens. So when you do start talking about it and you pass that down, that, that, that's why you go through the fire. Right. Like gold is forged in fire. Right. And as you go through life, you, you, get, you step back into the forge. Right. And you come back out, you fire people up. You come back in, you get your ass back in the forge. I have a question about that. Like when I say I have dreams, it's one thing every time, you know. It's the um, the sounds is what I is what I hear, you know, but it's not the whole situation. I was just wondering, is that a is there something significant with that or? Oh, that's something that you encoded. That was encoded. something that was that was the most traumatic event of that day. That that's what the second that because you couldn't see. Well, no, I mean I could because it, it, it was on the other side. It was on the outside of the building. It was yeah. And but I for being inside, all your senses are getting heightened so much. Like when you guys, I would imagine when you're mastering, all you can, you know how when you when you when it's so dark because this happens to us when we're underwater. You can hear yourself breathe, like you can feel your whole mm-hmm. pattern and stuff like that. And the other senses get heightened up. I think you just that's that one thing that is like burned into my brain is hearing that, you know. And we couldn't couldn't do anything. Like there's really nothing we could do, you know. That's the one thing that that I got that too. You know, that, smell. people people don't care. they don't realize there's there nothing worse than sound. The smell, like girl. you said, I didn't. I wasn't going to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, the burn. Oh. Mine was if like if you could put like if you went to go watch a movie in a theater and you could roll smell through there, it'd be real. Because with me, it was so loud. But my ears were blown out, man. I, but I, I could still hear things. But the smell, that's like the, one the fire when it's real hot, yeah. like real hot. I, I know you, you you can relate to this, man. When your mouth dries out, you know water won't get it wet. And you're just kind of sitting there, man, and that blood and, and burning and all that stuff kind of like. like Snot. Yeah, dude, right? And, yeah. You just got to keep <laughs> man, going. Right. You know, it's terrible, choice, man. You know? Yeah, you just kind of like, well, that's when you go to that. It's the worst thing about throwing up in a mask. Man, man dude. Know. But, yeah, that smell, man, that, that's that's one thing, too. Freaking smell. Like burning, you know. Flesh. Flesh. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. I, I, I stuck my head inside of a Bradley with a bunch of. With, well, not a bunch, but individuals that had been burned real bad. And I threw up all over them. I felt really bad about it, but yeah. I did. And, I mean, and when it hit me, it hit it, I mean, it was You never forget it. No, yeah, it wasn't that take a smell. Oh, that smells awful. It was as soon as it hit my sinus cavities, <laughs> it hit the go button. <laughs> That's what gets me. And I threw up. You know that sensation you get? Yeah. yeah. When everything goes, it's like maybe that was death. That's what yeah. death, you know, that death smell. And you I can think smell with. Those, those problems that I've had. Now, my wife says the only time they ever, like, because I don't really notice them anymore, but she can notice it, and she'll wake me up in the middle of the night. She knows I'm having some type of dream or whatever. And it's always whenever, like, a stressful situation is going on, you know, at home. But normally, I was going to ask you, too, is, uh, so I was having all those dreams, and uh, it was just, my, my mind, it was just constant all day long. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all you think about. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, I'm, we're sitting here talking, but in my mind, th- this is what's, you know, running through. And I started doing research, and I wasn't going to take any, you know, medicines because, you know, I didn't see anything was good with anything good coming from that. So I tried CBD oil, mm-hmm. and uh, researched a company, and called me crazy. Maybe it is mental, like a mental thing, but I, I started taking that, and after about three days or four days of taking it, I never, I didn't even notice that I stopped. My mind stopped, just racing all day long. All the dreams stopped, and I can actually. And the only it's weird saying this because I was on the lawnmower one time, and you know, whenever you're doing something, sit on the tractor or whatever else, your mind you're thinking about thinking. stuff. Do the right. best thinking. But track. I used to think about that, you know, not about just the the bad about it. Just think about that day, mm-hmm. you know, nothing negative. Uh, 
But I was sitting on the lawnmower and I was like, fuck, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. Like I actually had to think about like, shit. So I guess the CBD oil is actually working because that's the only really change I've, I've made or maybe, you, you know, know, I don't there know. could be the complexities of putting that together or just yeah. astronomical. So I, I mean, it could be one thing. It could be another. It could be a combination of CBD oil. It could be a combination of CBD oil, the fact that you've spoken about it, thought about it. If you, when you address that in your mind, you say that's the only thing you're thinking about. Well, that may be the only thing you're thinking about. It's not the only thing you're doing. Right. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. So that when you, it, with your mind, if you want, it, our mind's not built to multitask. And if you're thinking about that day, but you're trying to be a firefighter, you're trying to be an instructor, you're multitasking, your brain's getting exhausted mm -hmm. on top of all the bullshit we got to deal with every single day, right? Okay. Yeah, so was, yeah. what may inevitably have happened is that the CBD oil was, was kind of a calming and led you to relax a little bit. And then you were, ha and gave you the ability to focus in on that particular day enough to where you've, hey, I've pushed this as far, this sled as far as I'm going to. I'm good now. Right. And you just pushed it to the back burner. You know, and it'll, it'll that. come back up again. Could very well possibly come back. Oh, it does. Will it be as, goes, will it but be I know as, how to deal with it. Yeah, heavy as, as an emotion, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, you may get caught in the moment and just like, like I don't know if you're drinking on, like get in the bottom of that bottle and. That's one thing too. I was gonna. Yeah, don't do it. that. Think about it like this. So when you when you watch a movie or something like that and you play it over and over in your head and you watch it, you kind of get used to that that moment, right? To where you can either looking at it so much that you're like, okay, I didn't do anything wrong, and it's mm -hmm. teaching yourself to get used to the fact that that happened to you right not to get over it so you can always regurgitate it like we're going to regurgitate our favorite uh, songs and right. everything like that mm -hmm. so that's your mind's way of coping with it plays it over and over again to you you see in your head and i mean i was just talking about it and playing over it in my head again to where i mean like good job yeah. i mean you did your job yeah yeah you got a song you've listened to so much you just burn it out you're like i don't ever want to yeah. hear it again what i did was i uh, can tell you all about it but it's not, it doesn't affect me like it used right. to yeah yeah but I did, man, like after learning about, hey, man, this, this is the issue. I picked up a guitar. I've always wanted to learn how to play a guitar. I learned how to play that sucker in like two weeks. Yeah. But when I say that's all I did, <laughs> that's all I did. But that was that thing that I needed, you know, the, that, that was my thing to, to free my mind. Yeah, yeah. I talked to a buddy of mine, too. He's like, normally when your mind gets into that rotation of that bad thing, start doing something that you want to learn to do and like it, and you replace it. You plug yeah, it in. That's to what Dr. Buster told me to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, that works. And it was just coincidence that I'd already started doing that. Yeah. You know? and, uh, it's funny it how the body works, right? The mind. Yeah, and kinda... it's funny also is if you don't do, like, it's almost like a, to me, I got to do that at least 30 minutes a day. You know, that kind of yeah. winds me down and, you know, we're good. That's a great point. Think about that. So normally when you're just sitting around trying to bum out and you get something in your head you can't get out of, up to a point where you're just laying on the couch trying to be lazy and you're like, oh, okay, I'll get up and go run. Yeah. Just something. To, yeah. to, it's, it's your mind going, just do something to break this up, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. What do you have going on right now? What's good with me? Where's man, life? Uh, where is life taking you since? Man, life has been awesome. Uh, after getting better, uh, I had a uh, I had a station Christmas party two years ago, and uh, like I said, single, being cool by myself. You know, I wasn't even looking, and I see this blonde sitting out by the fire, who's now my wife. You know. I was gonna say blondes are dangerous. She, yeah, man, she, she came out of nowhere, man. From <laughs> I do never, that. I've never seen her before. <laughs> I went up and talked to her. She talked funny. You know, she's from Louisiana. And, oh, uh, I got a Cajun too. Yeah, Hybrid, straight. Man. Yeah. yeah, Texas Louisiana deal. And because uh, I never even had the urge to talk to anybody before that, saw her, met her, and she is a big contributor of positivity, man. Like she is. There's nothing negative. Like she don't. She don't. She don't deal with that shit. Like, you know, she don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, um, but she. You know, I got married, 
um, best day, best day of my life. And uh, I was just kind of sitting around. I really didn't have much to do, you know. And she's the one. Uh, but I've always had different, you know, skills with metal fabrication. I built my house, uh, and she kind of gave me the motivation to to do something with that. And uh, I've always liked the whole aspect of fire training. And uh, and I saw the lack of fire training. And the me- the reason why is because of a lack of funding for firefighters and in, in departments to be able to obtain training buildings. I was like, well, I, lo- I love welding and, you know, building shit. And I also love firefighting, so I kind of put two and two together and uh, started Lone Star Tactical Buildings and uh, been, you know, doing pretty awesome. Like, it's it's kind of ramped up so fast that I hadn't, ha- hadn't had time to, you know, start a website or do, you know, anything else, you know. It's, but uh, things are great. Man, that's uh, brilliant. Oh, I already it, talked to him about and it, it, yeah. And it's concept. Because a lot of times, especially with us, we got rewarded on how many missions we did and, and how many fires y'all make. And as, as you tactically train, when you graduate the fire academy and you go to your firehouse, that's just another academy. Mm-hmm. That's the infield academy. Oh, that's the yeah, beginning of that stage. Yeah. So yeah. it keeps going. So in, when you train yourself, it, it, like in the neighborhood, like the first time a firefighter ever comes to your house shouldn't be when it's on fire. Mm, yeah. You're right. I mean, you should have them over for dinner. And when they're probably like, hey, look, this is kind of what's around here in case this place catches on fire. Right. I just want to thank you for what you do. We, we, you know, we take care of our firefighters. I got too, man. That told me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of one of the deals where, hell, y'all deal with the one thing that we don't want to. You're damn right we're going to make y'all happy. Yeah. So when you, when you train in that reality and you kind of come down to you, you, you create an environment like, hey, man, how many fires did they didn't have? Like right. There was only one fire this year, and we, we were, they were on right. so fast, and the, the people, that kind of thing. You know, right. you reverse so they, don't, they didn't get the reps. Yeah, so there's not right. bragging about how, yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and that's yeah. one thing that we do is, like, the th- thing that's different from, you know, our company compared to the others is that everybody on my crew is on, is with, with Lone Star Tactical. They're all fire, firefighters. So we speak the same language, oh. you know. Um, we're not just engineers, you know, and I'm, I'm not knocking anybody else. I mean, they, they have some bad, no. bad stuff out there, but ours is the most realistic, you know, because we know what, you know, what's. And that, that's how it works, man. I mean, when we, paying it back. Like yeah. everything you've learned, you're creating that academy that teaches the other ones. It's, it's not a bad thing ever. Oh, no. It's like, hey, man, the more we give back, and with our generation kind of rolling back around, you got the hierarchy that's still in the academies, so, yeah. still in the, in the houses. I mean, the departments, it's. Right. The one thing I wanted to do is that I saw how much these buildings cost. And looking at it, I'm like, man, there ain't no way this costs this much, you know. And that was it, that kind of bothered me. It's like the reason why we have this lack of training and lack of live fire training is because these these buildings are freaking millions of dollars. They're shipping containers, man, you know. So I started putting pen to paper. I'm like, no, nah, this ain't right. I mean, one of the, I'm, I'm passionate about being the best at your job, you know. And there's a lot of good, good guys, young guys that want to be the same way, but they just don't have the the tools to sure, yeah. to build upon that. So that's one of the another, one of the one of the main reasons why we started doing it. It's like it's a win-win, you know. And these other companies are hating me right now, but it's, you know. What does that tell you? You're doing the right thing. Exactly. I mean, I mean <laughs> right? it, it was hard. I for mean, me to, if they're, it, they're all coming at you, that means you got something that they don't. I just don't. told them, I was like, stop screwing taxpayers over. Stop screwing these guys over, man. Uh-huh. Like, you can do very well. Because you want to spend that right taxpayer thing. money in the re- in repairs if you can right. set it into training. Right. It, it, that's what I tell these. Like, we can build it for this. And they're like, what? No way. I'm like, man, just, yes, we can. 
That means you can take this part of it because I actually give a shit about their budget and the guys that work there. You know, I want them. I want them to be good because the citizens that live around them. It's a bad feeling whenever you have a fire department on your worst day. You know that you don't have any confidence in. Like if that doesn't keep you up at night, like it used to keep me up at night where, where I live. Is like yeah, if I'm at the firehouse, man, and my house catches on fire, who's coming to save my family? You know, like are you? I've always told these guys, are you the are you the person you want coming to your house? When your house is on fire, and that's the easy answer. You know, either yes or no, and you don't have to say. It. They don't have to be honest, but they know inside. But uh, that's the main main reason, man. Is we started it up was just to provide that for. So I think every every fire department in the United States should be able to afford something. You know, and that's what we want to do. A way of saying if if every team guy was like me, where would the teams be? Yeah. Or maybe like if the Houston Texans just said, "Hey, look, we're going to give you twenty million." first responder training facility right there. That'd be awesome, man. But it's almost, it's going to sound shitty, but they, it's almost like they don't really care unless they need you, unless they need you, which, hey man, that's how it should be. And I tell the guy here, guys say that all the time. Like, well, they only care whenever they call us. Well, no shit. That's why you're here. You know, that's, that's your job, you know? But, uh, but well, you, you only get like a spotlight. How much, how much do you want us to care when we show up? Yeah, but you should. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. That's why you signed up. Well, that's a, with their attitude. That's that's they're like, hey, look, you know, we, we're giving you everything we got. We want to train more, and that's that's kind of the give and take on that. But it's I, also I, like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, it's you kind of get what you pay for too. Like, what, with, you know, <laughs> training, not not even paid, just training wise. Like, yeah. you, you know, this give us the facilities. You know, the last they, time that I've trained in Houston, like at a, don't I couldn't say tell don't you. say it out loud. Everybody's scared by. Well, they should be because I mean it's a shit show up there right now, man. But. We should flip flip everything on its ass, right? We should have a draft for firefighters and cops, pay them what we pay our pro athletes and our teachers. Oh, teachers, yeah, right. pay, pay them even more. Yeah, make as up? much as our pro like, athletes. When you see one of them out of the academy, when they're walking around, you're like, oh, yeah, right. I mean, my my mom, my sister, they're they're teachers, and I see the shit they got to go deal with, you know. I mean, we do it to ourselves. I've always, thought, yeah. part about I always it, thought that just, was we're supposed the to police ourselves backwards shit. I mean, they're the ones molding everybody to get to where they are. You can either make it extremely hard, or we can actually, with with way the, we work and Americans work, man, we can have everything we wanted. So I'm gonna yeah. pay you hundreds of millions of dollars to kick that, but I'm gonna pay my teachers and my first responders, the people that put their lives on lines and and educate our children. I'm gonna pay you pennies. You put a guard on the bank. The Nobody's going to show up for a chess game. You know, we talked about the whole pay raise stuff earlier. Thinking about it, yeah, if you did pay a lot more, you, you're going to get better, you know, applicants. You know, you have more to pick from. Well, right I'll tell now, you what, if you do start paying, paying, like, let's just say hypothetically that it went that way and you started paying firefighters, first responders, you motherfuckers better look like pro athletes. That's exactly what I've been saying. Yeah, that's why we have to look the way we do. That's exactly what I've been saying. Yeah. Look, you better look the part. There's a caveat man. to that because Marines don't get paid anything, and you've never seen a fat Marine. Ever. Ever. In uniform. Never. Even the gunnies that are 103 years old. I, I saw one of the colonels. He was, he was 104. He could shave with the crease in that son of a bitch's pants. <laughs> hey, they're so squared away, right? I mean, that's a thing. That's a pride thing. Well, the good thing is, man, I mean, uh, good things are coming for Houston. You know, it just takes time. I stay. That's one thing I, I would advise any young guy. Stay out of the negative, man. I just because they can sit, they talk about politics. You, we, I can't do shit about politics. So why talk no. about something you can't change, man? I mean, you can remember, and then yeah, when that's it's, it. And then when you're in the position of authority, and they have the ability to make change, 
Yeah. You Make remember. the change. Yeah, yeah. You remember. Don't leave pissed off and talk smack because you obviously there's you don't know what you're talking about if you're not in that position. Right. That's the thing too. Right. I mean, all young guys go through that. Like, hey, man, Chief doesn't know me. He's like, man, shut, dude. You don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. And I know Houston. We're Texans. Yeah. I mean, if we wanted to fix it right now, we would. Yeah. We just would. Uh, that's, it's, We've been through too much. Yeah. Well, that's the scary thing, man. Is like the the fire department will always. HFD will always support HFD. Like we are understaffed, undermanned. Harvey, this free shit we just went through, we got it done without any help from anybody else. You know, there was guys working for two weeks straight, not going home, but people needed us. That's, that's why y'all that's get the respect pride. y'all do. That's the pride that I have. If that's you were overstaffed, saying. there's too many of it, and no one would care. It's part. Of, it's also a curse too, because politicians know that we're, we're, we're going to go either way. We're not just not going to not help somebody, you know, and they use that against us too, you know. But it's, like I said, good things are coming, man. It can only get better, so. David, thanks, man, for showing I appreciate up today. it, man. I hope I wouldn't have rambling around, rambling along. Oh, man, that's what we do here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have at least a Facebook page for the business? Yeah, if you go, it's uh, Lone Star Tactical Buildings, at Lone Star Tactical Buildings. Perfect. I said, uh, you get that website and all that going. We'll get you, we'll get you we'll get you taken care of, man. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to the episode of the show. Let us know what you think. If this episode helped you out in some way, or you know a firefighter that could uh, just use some encouragement, this is an episode you should certainly share with a friend. Make sure you follow us on social media, teamneverquit.com slash social. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you guys. See you next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.